0: Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend Seth Robinson. Seth.
1: Hey, you making it through the summer?
0: Making it through the summer, about the halfway mark, I guess, here. Uh, thank, thank
1: goodness. You you and I, I think we talk about this every year, but we're on such different pages when it comes to summer. I'm always like so ready for it to get done, and this stretch okay. for me is always so boring. Like there, it's, there. it's there's no sports there's you know nothing on tv Uh, thank goodness for like the women's world cup going on you know i'm i'm liking that but other than that it just feels so dead to me
0: well i love summer as you know because it's it's short-lived and i love fall too here in new england but you know i like to get my summer time in because it is so short but i will agree with you on the dearth of sports during this month of august it's uh It's, you know, I guess football is starting to to kick in, but yeah, it is a little, it is a little dull. And now we have the Hollywood actors and writers strike So if you were thinking there was a pipeline of new programming that was getting built up right now so that we'll have lots to watch in the fall, that won't be happening either. So um, yeah, we could have to be getting creative with our entertainment choices going
1: for yeah, forward. yeah. I, I don't think you're you're not much of a movie goer like to the theaters right you i'm not a, the... well
0: i don't like marvel movies really so well i mean
1: now there was the whole barbenheimer thing you know did you uh, yeah no I, one I,
0: I will go see barbie and i'll definitely see oppenheimer i don't know if i'll see them both in the theater but um yeah they're on my they're on my radar i occasionally yeah. i occasionally make an exception so yeah
1: yeah but, i i haven't been to see either one of them either um and i can't imagine i'm going to make it to the theater for them but yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe
0: we can watch Barbie together sometime, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah we'll do it. It's very
0: controversial, this Barbie movie. So I, I do have to see it for that reason. Yeah. Anyway, we digress as always. <laughs> um, today, we are fortunate enough to have a guest on Volley, and she happens to be a member of the Comte board of directors, so that's also exciting. So she's one of the CompTIA family. Uh, This is Jabu Dayton, and Jabu is the principal of Jabu HR. And I'd like to welcome you today to join us here on our little podcast. Hi.
2: Thank you. I'm super excited to be here
1: with you both. Yeah, thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, we're really excited to have you. So welcome aboard. Um, Hopefully this will be nice and painless for you, but we are gonna talk today about Trends in the workforce, and as we know, CompTIA follows workforce issues from, you know, all angles and um, pretty exhaustively. And um, we're very much, you know, tied in and tapped into what's going on with the tech workforce and people who are interested in tech careers. We also follow what's going on with companies in the tech industry, um, in particular, the channel and the managed services space and We recently on the research team have collected some data about some of the trends going on around workforce issues, whether that is recruitment, retention, culture issues, um, and beyond training, that's another one, um, going on in the MSP space. So I thought we would have you here. You're an expert in the HR area. Talk a little bit about some of the workforce trends in the tech industry in general, what's going on, and then maybe we can narrow some of the topics down to what we're seeing in the MSP space. But I will... Um, I will say, having looked at the data, you know the MSP space mirrors a lot of what's going on, generally speaking, um, with the tech workforce. Um, so welcome aboard. Um, I thought we'd talk a little generally, if you want to give us a, a sense of where of the things that you're seeing right now, um, from some of the challenges and some of the maybe the the newer innovations or opportunities that are going around, uh, going on within the HR function of a technology of a technology company.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's a really fascinating time. Right. So we came through covid where um, for some people work expanded and exploded, which was true for myself and my company and for other people work really constricted and got narrow and or maybe even less uh, work was on the table. now we're kind of revisiting some of those emotional sort of sensations where you're really concerned about the economy. The data doesn't always line up with that, so we're still seeing people getting hired and really thriving, um, but there's still kind of a a sense that people have that something's going wrong and they they are a little concerned about it and they want to take the steps that they need to take to ensure that they're in a good position, that they're getting paid the most that they can get paid. So. Oddly enough, um, I think we're actually still seeing people doing really well, but they have a sense that they're not. So that's informing some of the decisions that they're making. And so some of the things that I'm seeing um, are like people are really actively pursuing further education and Mm -hmm. things that certifications or things that they think are going to make them a more attractive employee to their to their bosses or to their future bosses. Um, And they're really concerned about the relationships that they have internally, so culture, how they feel at work, whether they consider it toxic or not toxic. So there's a sense that if I'm going to invest in this company and they're going to invest in me, that it really needs to be something that serves me and my family well. Um, all of those things have been present, obviously, all the time, but there's just a higher sense of, of tension that I'm seeing uh, across the board right now.
1: Yeah, Jabba, thanks for uh, joining us here. It's really great to meet you. And I'm interested to know, as you talked about your work exploding, you know, during COVID, and and you Mm -hmm. see some of these tensions uh, between employers and the workforce, the notion of an HR function of of trying to formally deal with Mm. a lot of these issues and and really think, you know, in a comprehensive way about the workforce, and bringing people Mm. in and Thinking about the skills gap and trying to retain them, yeah. have SMBs in general started to think more seriously about the HR function?
2: Yeah, so I'm seeing I'm seeing it being much more seriously considered, valued, and invested in by some companies, and then by other companies who are feeling this kind of concern about what the economy is going to do. Um, and maybe trying to anticipate, or maybe they really do need to be concerned, like they have reasons to be concerned, they're actually scaling back. So I'm seeing both, which makes it kind of an interesting space to navigate. Um, That means for my company, we are really broadening the scope of the types of things that we offer in terms of supporting our companies and clients. So we're not saying no to work that we might've said no to two years ago. Um, we're taking contracts that might be smaller in size uh, just so that we can help companies where they, they feel like they can afford to be helped. So it's a mishmash of things. And I know that that's not always a fun way <laughs> to, to respond to a question like that. But there isn't one trend that we're seeing. We're really seeing two um, where it really just depends on the confidence of that business owner and their team. Um, how much they're investing, but I think it is a, it's a known quantity now that if you want to retain your folks, HR has to be at the table. There really isn't a real, a real good way to do that without HR.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're seeing that a bit in the data now. Most MSPs to, to talk about that space a little bit here are smaller yeah. companies. So, so yes. as I mentioned, SMBs, and you know, historically, actually having an HR person that that was their full time right. job on staff was almost non existent. Right. That's right that's right um but they would have somebody either it was the owner themselves or mm-hmm. you know somebody who um had some sort of you know affinity for that particular job role who would yeah. take care of those things onboarding new people do, dealing with job interviews and then um exactly. doing the, man, the management of employees um but i i do see some of our data shows that they that that smaller companies are beginning to take this a little bit more seriously mm-hmm. especially as a couple of things are happening one the need for very specific skills and to upskill their company um, yeah. is becoming paramount. Yeah. And to try to do that sort of part-time, you know, the recruiting involved that's needed to do that is almost impossible. You know, yeah. you need to have somebody right. dedicated to be trying to find these people. Um, yeah. I mean, and then especially in the MSP space, um, finding employees that want to work in managed services, which is a 24 seven kind of um, uh, high stress environment type of tech yeah. job. Um, right. These these types of job roles can work anywhere else that they want mm-hmm. to, they don't have to work for an MSP. So trying to find a way to make that that kind of a company palatable um, yeah. so that good people wanna work there um, is, is obviously something that, a, that an HR person would have some participation in or uh, yeah. it would be part of their job responsibility. Um, But it still seems like a big struggle to get the small companies on board. Are there any sort of like best practices that you would recommend around um, uh, for SMBs in particular on Mm -hmm. how to kind of codify the way they do recruitment, the the way they think about retention, some of those formalized things that are part of the HR function that may have not been something that they thought of in a formal manner Mm -hmm. prior.
2: Yeah, you know, you're working with very, very intelligent business folks who know a lot of things about a lot of things. Um, HR isn't always as intuitive as it might seem, and yet you have people who are like, I can figure it out, like, you know, I've done fine thus far. But with the markets shifting so much, your ability to be agile, create new processes, be as efficient as possible is really the key. So relying or defaulting to old behaviors that maybe have kind of served you, but not super well, or um, you're still seeing turnover at a rate that doesn't make you happy means you really should look outside of your org for someone who has an expertise or um, does this full time, in my opinion, and just dedicate some of your budget to that. I find that my CEOs feel so much ease and having a partner in the space that's done it before that can walk them through. I don't have a predictive model of of like, what is the best way to recruit? I really go into each company and and look at that company and their needs. And then we work together to create and curate something that works for them specifically. Um, And that's typically not something a busy CEO has time to really dive into, but but probably should. The more complicated the space is, the more demanding, the more rigorous the space is, the more your ability to adapt to what your employees need um, is key. And employees are not always going to be comfortable going to the CEO with a minor need, something that might be minor, but big enough that they might go to another company if they don't think they can get it from you. So a lot of really small communication issues can turn out to be a reason that someone leaves. And HR will help you kind of mitigate those and solve for that before it ever happens. So I think it for folks who really are Ha- under a lot of pressure and moving fast and scaling fast or needing to be as responsive to their clients as possible, having a partner that can focus on this day in and day out, or even if that's a consultant, it doesn't need to be an internal person, um, is key to being successful. And I feel like that is finally starting to sink in with a lot of small business owners.
1: I wanted to dig a little deeper into something that Carolyn kind of alluded to when she said that the MSP space is, you know, 24-7 high stress. We've gotten questions when we've presented, we've gotten yeah. questions from media. And you know, this this topic goes back a ways about the, the generational disconnect that there might be between young employees who are looking for mm. their first job and what their expectations are of what the company should be
2: providing
1: yes. to them <laughs> or allowing them to do versus what the company is expecting. I've got kids yeah. of my own that are starting to get into the workforce and I'm seeing this firsthand where you know their yeah. imagination has a job and a company that treats them a certain way. Right. And that's typically not what they're finding out there. And, and I think a lot of companies are, making adjustments, but there's only so far that they're going to go. And and I That's think right. as Carol and I have talked about this uh, on some interviews and, and two reporters, we've kind of said that it's not necessarily that the power is sitting with the employees these days because ultimately mm-hmm. people still need jobs, right? That's but right. companies do want to be accommodating. They do want to create that culture, but at the end of the day, they still have a job that needs to get done. So yeah, this may be another question that doesn't exactly have one answer. But how are you yeah. seeing the nature of that uh, tug of war starting to play out between you know the expectations that younger workers may have and the reality that a company is asking for?
2: Yeah, boy,
1: this is a great.
2: <laughs> so I, I actually love this tug of war. It's what keeps me, I think, <laughs> mentally <laughs> agile, because the minute that my brain wants to say you're crazy for asking for that, like that is that's just not okay. And I didn't do, when I was your age, I had to work 10 years before I got promoted to, you know, all the stories and the narratives that we have in our brain about how we were raised. And then when I sit back and think, you know, a lot of these folks have the ideas and the aspirations that they have because of the way that we raised them and asking for something in is not in itself inherent of being disrespectful or entitled, but it it may be because of a a great imagination or the things that they've witnessed, um, like in the movies or something like that. So it's our job, I think to be really transparent about what their career path looks like at this particular company. Right. And small companies have a hard time offering this sort of, um, aspirational, uh, promotional sort of step stepping stone experience that some of the younger folks may want or some generational folks may want, because there may not be anywhere to go. Like you're you're here. We need you here. Like we really need you in this role. Um, so it, it becomes really paramount when you're interviewing, I think, to be really clear um, and, it, and to do it in a way that still invites them into the adventure of that particular career path, but doesn't you know, make it seem like they're going to be getting something that's not possible for you to give. So the the ability to be really communicative and honest and say, you know, in this role, you should expect to be in this role three or four years before you attain the degree of excellence it would take to move on to the next step um, at my company. But if you attain it before that, we will recognize that and reward it. So it also requires you to be able to adjust and There are things that we think we know as business owners that we've seen a million times before, but that one time might and that one person might be the person that breaks that particular rule. So in some of the ways that I've answered these other questions, I do think it, it has to be situation by situation, but always communicating as clearly as possible. Because what I've found is that when I explain the landscape or the construct to that particular employee or the person that's considering to be an employee, they kind of settle into it and then we don't have to have a monthly conversation about their compensation raising or the promotion that they want to have Um, they understand the lay of the land they understand how they're going to get to the next step or what further education they need to achieve. And it kind of puts it back in their wheelhouse and now they can relax and focus in the way that I'm hoping they can on the work. Mm-hmm. So it does take some additional time. And again, like that's that's something that not every busy CEO or business owner is gonna have. So who is gonna do the work of sitting with your employees and talking them through that from the first touch, which is the recruiting and the interviewing stage all the way through their employee life cycle. So, Just getting the support and the resources that you need as a business owner, I think is really key. I I know even for myself with my own team, finding the patience to have those conversations more than once can can be quite an ask. So it's pulling that out of yourself or finding a partner that can do it for you
0: yeah i i can imagine with small companies in particular it can be very challenging one of the retention data points that we had with our study was you know what is the number one challenge that you have to retaining employees and we had this long laundry list of things you could choose from far and away the number one thing was um salary and so it's really hard to fight salary um you can you know so uh, you know i wonder what some of the tricks of the trade are for you know small mm-hmm. companies trying to keep the best players on their team and yet, you know, the, the the team across the street is in a bigger market and they can offer a much higher, you know, a higher salary contract for them. Um, That's great. Uh, and so you had mentioned at the very beginning how uh, candidates, job candidates today and, and employees are getting lots of doing a lot of training, professional development, attaining certifications mm-hmm. to try to better themselves. Is this something one of the tricks of the trade that perhaps the employer then should focus on to be helping their employees themselves giving them that training, sending them off to get those certifications, doing those professional yeah. personal development things that can perhaps um, you know, soften the blow of not being the most competitive on the salary front.
2: Absolutely. Um, people want to feel like they're investing in a place that's investing in them. And that means all of the little things as well, right? T- treating your people well, being kind, all of those things that sometimes can be hard when we're scaling rapidly. Um, But if you want people to stay with you long-term, there needs to be a narrative that makes sense to them about why they would do that. And you may have to refresh that quite a few times. So Mm -hmm. engaging with them, asking them what they want, and then also stating what you need. Like, I need this certification for you to go into this next role. And either I'm going to provide that for you as a business owner, or that's something I need you to go out and get on your own. There's benefits to both. I do think companies need to be much more creative um, in thinking about what they're actually offering. Like we can get very um, settled in our ways and thinking, well, they should be happy to work here. And yeah, they can go there and make more money, but like they're not going to have a good time. But for people who have less experience in the workplace, they may not equate the cultural experience of an internal you know, company. They may think the money is worth it. Mm -hmm. So they may find out that that's not true as all of us have. But by that time, they've already left you and you're now having to spend money on hiring someone else and finding someone else. So again, like if you can just from the very first day have a plan out like for this role, here are the stages of growth education certification that I'd need this person to have on their journey and for some people that may be at the six month mark or the year mark, but so that you have like a whole menu for them to choose from. And then it's up to them and there are some people who will be very happy being that worker B and staying at level one and then you're always going to have people who um, are super ambitious and they want to continue growing and learning and they will be self-propelled to do that if you explain what's required clearly.
1: And what about uh, building skills? You know, the sort of the last thing mm-hmm. that I've got on my mind here, you know, as, as we're talking about a retention uh, yeah. and and trying to give employees that pathway is actually investing in the skills. You know, you mentioned that an, an employer might identify a certification that they need and they, they might yeah. be able to be transparent about here's what we're going to do for you or here's what we need you to do for yourself. But are, are you seeing any kind of trend toward employers thinking more about internally building those skills rather than expecting to always find the perfect candidate or rather than always Mm. expecting you know the candidate to kind of do it on their own are are they finding that investing in skills themselves is something that's really going to help not only retention but kind of help business objectives as they're able to close those skill Mm. gaps
2: absolutely i think it's a great question Um, Promoting from within, I and I don't know that there's actual data data to reflect this, but it has to exist somewhere, but I think is one of the key elements to retention. Uh, I think people just observing someone else being promoted that's on their team is something that can be incredibly inspir- inspiring, right? So it's important to remember that always bringing out outside people is not necessarily the solution. You probably have what you need on your team, again, do you have the time, the energy and the resources to develop them or do you need support to do that? And I would say in most cases it to to company as crazy as it sounds because it's so expensive not to invest, I think um, they still sometimes just because they're moving fast and they need things to work in a certain way or they're used to being successful in a certain way, the idea of like taking the time to build out those skills internally There's sort of a fantasy that you can go out and find it pre-baked, but I I don't think that's necessarily always the case. And the disruption of bringing in someone who's not familiar with your culture and who's not already successful in your culture may offer a lot of disruption and disconnect throughout your your team, especially on the smaller teams, right? So if you can find it internally and you can see that potential and then encourage the potential, you're going to, I think, have a much better investment long-term. Yeah, we, we actually did
0: ask that question on the, the, the data set we, we collected yeah. on the MSPs is whether you tended to build, buy, or rent your yeah. to, to fill open positions. And um, you know, to to the MSP community's credit, um, the the a big chunk of them are are doing the the building part, meaning yeah. that they're willing to they reach, you know, train their existing employees, yeah. or or bring in a new employee who's maybe seventy percent of the way there of the skills they need, and do that thirty percent training internally themselves, which I think is another method, yeah, uh, that they're using. So we are we're definitely seeing that, um, and then some of them are outsourcing. So there is that dynamic as well. Um, yeah, but it's good to see that they're spreading it. It's not all like we need to find new people from the outside every single time we have an open position so
2: yeah Yeah. i've seen companies really internally implode by doing that bringing in too many folks from the outside and not supporting the wealth of talent that they already have and then that wealth of talent leaves because they don't really appreciate the new energy that's come in the new the new uh, focus so can see that Yeah. yeah yeah
1: Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Jabu, thanks so much for lending us your insights and your expertise, uh, the things that you're actually seeing out there to go along with our data. We really appreciate it. And, uh, And hopefully we'll have you on the podcast again at some point if we're talking about workforce stuff.
2: That'd be great. That sounds great. Thank you both. This was really fun.
1: Yeah, so thanks as always to our producer, Andrew McMillan. And Carolyn, I'll see you on the next episode. You will, have a good one.